Every leader has problems. Increasing your leadership intensity won't fix them in a healthy way. You need an increase of clarity. From starting businesses, leading multiple nonprofit organizations, both large and small, and a full family life, Dr. Chris McAllister learned how to shift his thinking to thrive. He will help you order your internal world so you can lead your external world. Welcome to the Site Shift Lead Podcast with Chris McAllister. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. And uh, if you need a five-second thing for what's happening, we're doing coaching live and on airs. We walk through our initial program. And Eric, uh, who I met when he reached out and said he wanted to check uh, out this possibility of, of being a part of this, doing it on air. Eric, glad you're here. Welcome, man. Hey, how's it going? What's, uh, what's some info from your life from the last week? Last week, I had a pretty good week. Uh, not super productive week, but had a lot of fun this week and just becoming really aware of a lot of my behaviors, really like trying to pick that apart. Uh, and I've had an easier time doing that, taking the temperature yeah. of, uh, of how I'm feeling rather than just going through the motions. Dude, I love yeah. it, man. You jumped right in. I, uh, <laughs> I, that's awesome. I always love to ask, you know, what's that moment this past week when you look back where you became aware, fear, proving, hiding, behavior, insecurity, any of that? So walk me through some of those awareness points for you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I run a weekly blog, and this past week I didn't post my blog. And I have my topics prepared in advance and I'm like ready to sit down and write about them so I can be on schedule with it. But this week it felt different. I, I felt kind of scared that I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm. Uh, I didn't feel like passionate about what I was writing about. Um, I felt like it wasn't going to be valuable to people for some reason. And I just didn't feel like I had what it takes to grow it, you know, to keep doing it. Cause I've, I've missed a couple in the past. I'm trying to do it weekly, but I've missed a couple in the past. And in the end, I, I just didn't feel passionate about what I was writing about. And I couldn't come up with something that was worth publishing. Uh, so that was when I felt the fear, uh, this week, that was one point. Mm. Dude, that's great awareness, man. Way to notice that. Um, yeah, keep going. Another time, that I felt it was, uh, just on my way into work, really. Like most days when I'm on my way into work, I can feel like my stomach tightening. Uh, and I actually have a pretty nice commute. I take the train and it goes over the bridge. It doesn't just go under underground. So I can see the skyline of the city on my way in. And it's a nice time for me to just like look out and enjoy the view. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I like, but after that I go back underground and, you know, there's two more subway stops. And that whole time, I'm just, like, feeling more, you know, anxious about going into work and try to think about why. And sometimes it's just because I'm not excited about going there. Sometimes it's uh, because I, I don't feel passionate about, like, the tasks that I have to do this morning, in the morning. And uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm, like, a little bit late. So I've noticed that feeling more and more. And I probably had that the whole time that I've been at this job, or at least like after the honeymoon phase wore off. Mm -hmm. 
but uh, I, what I do at work is a lot, a lot of it's like putting out fires, like something pops up and I got to do it quickly. And it's not like very, uh, long-term focused of, okay, what is the best thing that I could be spending my time doing that's going to benefit me and the team in the future. Mm. Dude, way to notice all that. Um, and, and that's why the tendency, I think for a lot of people that are in that place, like the only option to survive that long term is to numb out. Uh, and so like you shared, um, there's there's a big transition for you. You've got this dream. And it really is insecurity that squashes taking the next step. And so we go, okay, I've, I'm not going to take the next step. I instead am going to stay in what I know because that's safe. And our own body is signaling it. Our own body is betraying us, if you will, and that's how people survive, man, numbing it out. So you're doing the opposite, and you're noticing it, and you're paying attention. Um, props. That's going in the different direction. As you went into work and you were noticing some of that, um, you know, what did you do with that? I just wrote it down in my notes that I was feeling that way. Perfect. Yeah, because I know we haven't gotten into the solution a lot yet, but taking note of it, writing it down, you know, recording it on an app on your phone, whatever it is, and this will make more sense when we get into the sixth week, but, you know, I'll, I'll record like random things that are things that are popping up that I need to process and take note of, and I don't want to miss those because those are like loops, if you will, that I want to pay attention to rather than just getting in the motions. I mean, it's easy for the day to get full, the week to get full, the month to get full, and then you're moving past exploring all of these uh, moments. And a little bit, and I may have said this last week, I forget sometimes, it's going to feel like I'm turning up the fear or the shame or the pain, the voice of it, and I'm not, or the volume, it's just we're noticing what was already there. Um, we, We have this incredible potential to lean into this life uh, that is true to our desire, desires, but yet we've become so skilled at BSing ourselves. And even something like you putting it to words, like I noticed my stomach tightening. Not only were you noticing it, you were noticing the physiological response. The, oh, this was happening. Um, I know for myself when I kind of get blinded with emotion that causes me to want to like power up or take over a situation, I stop breathing. So just noticing that, oh, I'm not breathing. Breathe, Chris. So right on, right on. Uh, Any other, I mean, this is already awesome. Any other thoughts, moments, awareness, insight, proving, hiding, fear? Um, Those are the two like main times that I felt it. Uh, I've been spending a little bit of time with a, a new girl lately that I've been seeing. So hey. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So uh, that's been fun. And I haven't, you know, I, I've, I was in a long relationship for a while. So I'm kind of just getting back on the horse with that. So there's a little bit of fear and, and uncertainty with that. And just like getting used to dating again, really. Um, not sure if you can remember back then, but... <laughs> 
Dude, it was a ways back there. <laughs> I can. Uh, but it does feel like a lifetime of going away. Now, let me ask you this, because this ties into your story from last week. And thanks again for the vulnerability of just sharing and all that you've been through. Had you dated since the apartment fire? Well, I was still with the girl that uh, I was with in that apartment. Okay, gotcha. After the fire. Like, okay. we lived together for another eight months or so after the fire. And then we broke up, and uh, I hadn't really been seeing anybody since that breakup. When that was just uh, like six months ago. Okay. So. Wow. A lot going on. So now here's what happens, and this is a heads up. Relationships surface insecurity and fear like crazy. So we're already talking about it, and it's enough to have it with, like, work. It's enough to have it with relationships, work and relationships, more pain, more moments of insecurity, but hey, more growth, uh, more opportunity to, to really get aware. Um, and it's really normal as you progress through this to, to feel like, oh, I've got a groove. I'm feeling secure. I got flow. And then it, and then it goes away and it's, life is dynamic. So it, it does go away. And I'll teach you as we walk through this, how to keep coming back to center. But sometimes it also goes away because the relationship goes to a new level, our responsibilities at work increase. And so now we're possessing more space. Uh, If you think about it like a house, it's like you know the living room and the dining room and the kitchen, and you know a bedroom. But two of the other bedrooms were walled off. You didn't know you had that leadership potential or that skill level. Uh, You didn't know what it would be like to be in a long-term relationship like that. And so as you move forward in those areas, you're onboarding new parts of your house that you're exploring and becoming aware of. And it's like, oh, this room is full of insecurity. It's new space to possess. It's not that you're moving backward. You're filling the space with your presence, if you will. Um, And so as you move forward in the relationship, especially with having transition at work also, both of those are going to be something to take note of. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Like when you move on to the next stage of growth in anything, there's going to be just more uncertainty and it might feel like you're like you're losing some of that some of that uh, strength that you built up before, but really like you said it's just new territory. That's it. It's leveling up. Yeah. It's like I think game video games help us understand that a ton. Because we know, like, ah, I leveled up. Um, cool. Okay, so with week four, the thing that's happening is it's one more week where I'm pulling back layers for let's get as deep as we can, recognizing any moments we feel insecure, any moments we are hiding or proving. So when I walked you through that paradigm, did the sequence of that make sense and how one flows to the other? Yeah. What were some dots, uh, if any, if not, I'll, I'll help connect them. What were some dots that connected or insights that came out of that? just want to pull up that diagram again real quick. Yeah, go for it. So I can see. There's my fancy uh, writing on a napkin. You appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, except you look at it and go, gosh, this guy needs work. You would have made it look more amazing. <laughs> it's not about the stylization. It's about the content. <laughs> but, yeah, I know what you mean. So... Yeah, I'm looking at it right here. You have it divided in two sections where it says disorder and defeated and then ordered and resilient. Yes. So in the disordered and defeated, 
that's more what we're talking about right now, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, it says false self, false mission, false community. And underneath false self, it says hurts. So I thought about that this week and I tried to think about those top five hurts that we lifted out last week and how that's creating a narrative of a false self in me and what, and how that might be forcing me to prove or eventually get me to be frustrated or feel inadequate. And, uh, the inadequacies and the frustrations definitely rang true this week when, you know, the same thing that I was talking about last week and the week before, uh, where I felt like I wasn't anything special. I felt like I was inadequate and that I might not be able to do this big goal of mine to, uh, to start my own business, uh, doing what I love essentially. So I was frustrated about that. And then it was that cycle of shame again. But once I sort of identified that, I was able to move past it. I just like it, like wrote it down in my notes. Um, I, I noticed that I was judging, uh, someone recently. This was interesting to me because I've been judging this person for a while, but I didn't realize it until this week. Um, hmm. there's a girl that I went to summer camp with that I was growing up with. And she recently emailed me to ask if I could help her with some design work. And what she does is she's essentially like a millennial expert. That's what she calls herself. Hmm. And she has her own like talk show and YouTube channel. And, you know, she goes on, uh, on, on other people's talk shows and she talks, she represents millennials. Like she talks, she speaks for my generation. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was silly. <laughs> I thought that I, I was judging her. I was saying, I, this doesn't make sense. This is like, this isn't for me. And then I realized that, you know, I'm just not in her audience. I was judging her and, and trying to like, it, it looked like she was selling out to me, hmm. but really that's just what she's passionate about. So I was judging her based on what she liked. And then when she asked me to do design work for him, I was like humbled that she would ask me cause she's grown quite an audience from it, from doing what she's doing. But, um, it, it took this reflection to realize that I was judging her, uh, when I shouldn't have been. Yeah. And then I tried to figure out where that might've been coming from. Maybe it was because she's had so much success with it. So I was jealous. Uh, maybe it was because I felt like I wanted that success and I was not like, I I would never be able to get there. Um, and just helping her get further would make me further behind or something. Um, I tried to break it down a couple different ways, but that was big because there's a lot of people that I look up to who, have made it big. And I'm sure there's like a part of me that's jealous. It still feels that way, even though I try to ignore it or I try to move past it. Dude, that is great insight. And that's exactly what I was hoping for to, to use the process here of, Oh, I'm hurt in my identity. So I try to prove locks me up in my mission of feeling adequate which is frustration. And it's not just frustration. Like, you know, ah, this thing didn't work like I want. It's that inner angst of, oh, this is blocked up. And when that's happening, we're going to pretend with our community. We're fake. And we recognize our own insecurity when we're judging. And not only uh, judging others, we judge ourselves harshly, harshly. And so, yeah, it's pretty wild, man. The more that you relax your way into that secure identity, the more the judgments dissipate. Um, you know, there have been times when I've been like, oh, my gosh, I'm mad at that person. They don't even know me. I'm just mad at what they're doing. Why am I mad at what they're doing? What does that reveal about my insecurity? And uh, so yeah. way to go noticing that. Um, and that's when we, we're defeated. We're disordered. 
We don't know how to go back to that week one, pause the mental mechanism that causes us to angle or interpret everything through the lens of our fil- uh, the filter of shame and, and the fear and the pain. Right on. Uh, any other insights from that? That's the main one that I wanted to bring up. We can keep moving along. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. I always like, I mean, for me, there's some people that don't, uh, you know, it takes me explaining that a little bit more. So the fact that you got that on point. Actually, I do have one thing that we can talk about. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so I got my hair cut uh, yesterday just around the corner from my apartment. And I didn't realize this until yesterday, but, but when you get your hair cut, it's like the only time where you have to like stare at yourself in the mirror for about half an hour or 20 minutes or however long it takes to get your hair cut. And I don't look at myself in the mirror that often just because I don't have, like I wear a hat every day and I don't have to do my hair. Obviously I don't have to, um, you know, do anything crazy uh, as far as like in the bathroom. So I I just don't look in the mirror that much. It takes me like an hour to wash my hair. So I totally get it. (laughs) I'm bald. Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm sorry. So when you're sitting there in the barber's chair, and especially if the barber isn't talking to you, you have all this time to look at yourself and to think. And you could think about what you have to do that day. You could think about, uh, you know, what you're looking forward to or what, like your memory. But since I've been thinking about all of these different things about getting secure in my identity and like where I could be trying to prove or hide, uh, that's what I was thinking about the whole time. Mm. And I wear a hat every day, mostly because I don't like my hair. It's it's curly. It's hard to control. It's like just not my favorite feature of mine. Mm. And then I started to think, man, maybe I'm wearing a hat because I'm I'm like ashamed of what uh, people might think of, or because I'm because I'm I'm worried about what people would think of me if I didn't wear a hat, or if if they would see my hair and think that I, like they would make judgments about that. Um, and I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago too. Like, I feel like wearing anything that covers you, uh, or covers something, it's almost like you're hiding in a way, you know? Yeah, dude. I mean, that's crazy insightful. Um, I had a, a person I was working with one time because of what she had been through. Uh, she just wore tons of makeup. And whether you wear makeup or not, whatever. Uh, But for her, it was freedom to feel like, you know, I don't have to cover up. What she felt falsely was the bad in her. Uh, And, yeah, there's like a thousand different ways we do these things. Um, Yeah, there's some there's some people who like I I kind of talk myself out of it. I still wear a hat every day. Uh, I'm planning on wearing a hat most days, obviously not to fancy events. I don't wear it while I'm sleeping or anything. But uh, I feel like when I wear a hat, I feel like more comfortable. I feel like myself. Mm. So I can understand that some people when they wear makeup, they're not hiding. They're just they feel like their beautiful self when they have a certain thing on. Yeah, you know, totally. Yeah. Man, great! I mean, what you're doing when you tell me these, you know, stories and insights, you're showing how deep this is connecting for you, and that is what's huge when your brain attunes to this. Moving forward, as you downshift 
into that identity awareness, you'll continue to overflow like health of who you are into everything. And we'll get more into overflow later. But for now, yes, 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 yes. Um, well, let's move to the ordered and resilient side of things. Um, insights, thoughts, questions there. No, I mean, it sounds, it looks really great. I, I guess my question would be, do you, you haven't obviously figured all this out. You still have moments where you feel hurt and you try to prove or hide, right? It's sort of like something that you can always come back to. Exactly. It's not that you're going to figure it out at the end of these 12 weeks and you're going to be at peace with your identity 100% and never have to worry about feeling frustrated or inadequate. Totally. We, yeah. Yeah. Week 12, I'm going to teach you something about just the circular nature of it and how you keep coming back to it. Uh, keep coming back to secure identity. But for sure, yeah. In fact, um, you know, listeners of the podcast that have listened for a while know, like, I can just tell stories every week about how I'm learning. Uh, when I speak for events, I have stories that I use to teach certain components, but I always sprinkle in like tons of new stuff because it's happening all the time. Well, perfect example is, uh, you know, it'd been a while since we had bought a car. We needed to upgrade our transportation serious. Uh, so did that this weekend and my wife came home. I was excited to show her the picture of it. Like, boom, here you go. And, um, and she, it wasn't a big deal. She was just, you know, making sure they were going to get it cleaned up. And it looked clean, the pictures. She just wanted it clean. I get it. I love the way she approaches things like that. But rather than be like, oh, yeah, they'll detail it or whatever, I took it personal. And I'm like, I'm showing you, you know, I want you. Here's what I was saying. I want you to let me know that you think I'm amazing. Look what I've done for you. Uh, so, again, I'm making it about my identity. Um and it's so easy to do that. And especially if I've pushed hard and I'm, I'm tired, even more so. Now, I recognize it a lot quicker. I learn how to organize my thinking a lot faster or how to not get in those moments or how to not, like, burn the world down and then hold the match behind my back. Uh, but even then there's still times. I'm like, what did I do that for? Oh. It's really powerful the more you learn to catch yourself in it. And you're like, hey, I'm sorry. I was doing this, but the car, stupid, blah, 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 work through it. Um, and then the more you call yourself in it, the more you catch it before. So I, I saw the needle move in my life in a big way, but definitely still happens. And then you go to another level of growth, right? So for me, what that means is daughters that are entering into preteen space or one became a teenager. It's a whole other level of insecurity for me to walk through. Uh, as the business goes to another level, same thing. So life truly is dynamic, not static. And I need a way to organize my thinking real fast. I'm judging. Ah, I'm insecure. Let me back that up. And then when you're in the ordered and resilient side of things, that's why I, I'm talking constantly about being aware uh, because that's how we change direction. Out of the hurts improving, we become aware and once we become aware, we're going to invite abundance in. And that's where we're headed with week six and seven. And then with our community, we can even share in safe, healthy ways. You know, I, I sent an audio to some friends today and said, let me, I pushed too hard on something and could have planned this better and uh, feel insecure about this. I mean, it was definitely sharing. 
And the more that I practice aware, invite, share, I have peace in my identity. It's not fragmented. It's congruent. Passion in what I do to be resilient. And then I have understanding for others. Uh, even as simple as and people laugh at this one and then it sinks in and they're like, oh, um, like road rage. I mean, I could get behind somebody and get really mad. And, and all driving that makes people angry, it's just because it's comparison. Like, I'm God's gift to driving. They drive too slow. They drive too fast. But uh, I, I remember one time I got behind this person. I got really mad. And I was like, wait a second. Who knows what kind of day they've had? Like, this sounds crazy, maybe even cheesy to some people, but I, what if, what if somebody they love left them? What if they got fired? What if they're just stunned from life and they had a hard thing? You know, I want to be that understanding. And then you drive up around and I'm like, it's a super old person and you're like, ah, crap, they're probably scared. Uh, you know, whatever. If I'm not being understanding of the other you know, and it doesn't mean we excuse abuse or anything like that, harming of others, then something's blocked up in me. Um, you know, all I had a professor say this, all behavior has meaning, and it's all clues and signals, and so we want to pay attention to it. And if I'm not understanding of others, boom. That's like a neon sign flashing. There's some work to do with your identity to flip the lie. You're feeling insecure, Let's flip that and get back into that space. Um, so it's something this specific week is something you can continue to kind of marinate, chew on, let it, um, you know, roll around in your head. But yeah, week 12, I'll teach you a process, a loop that you move through that keeps you returning back to center. Um, okay. So, so the top of the diagram where it says disorder and defeated and then the bottom where it says ordered and resilient that's the flip exactly okay i didn't get that well before but now i do (laughs) yeah well there's two ways of thinking about it it that meaning flip it and then also when you feel insecure in your identity so if you feel specifically the fear that my needs are a problem so let's flip it and get into the ordered and resilient by what being aware Inviting abundance into that. Yeah, so exactly like you're saying, but that's the flip. One of the things that uh, is is just really hard for most people that are moving at a blur through life to grab a hold of is that painful moment. But it's that painful moment that opens up the potential for growth. Um, And that's all of these words are there to set that up. How can I keep clicking into the deepest level of insight. Boom. Um, now I want to I want to transition into the exercises some, but I want to see if there's any other thoughts or questions that you have on that. Flipping the No, line. no, I definitely get it much better now. That's thanks for explaining that. Do good. No. Well, and it's it's continue I've gotten better at explaining it since I recorded the podcast now a while back. And so yeah, that's why these chats take it deeper. Well, let's talk about the, the going on the walk or I mean people do this a ton of different ways. You know, lots of different symbols. I had a really cool person uh, in week four this week tell me about their symbol and it was like, ah, oh, that's really awesome. Uh, it's not something you strive for or force. It's just kind of there. Take me through that process with you. Is that something you were able to do? Yeah. I mean, just like last week, I was procrastinating it because 
uh, I was, I didn't know what I was supposed to choose as, as what I, what I should write down. And, um, I, I kind of just decided to go for a walk today, actually earlier today and do it, uh, because I needed to do it before this call. <laughs> nice. But, um, yeah, it seems to be a pattern with me. If I have a deadline, I'll usually wait till pretty close to the deadline. Um, but I went on my walk today and just went around my neighborhood. Um, uh, of course, I was noticing like the beautiful colors in the trees because it's, it's autumn over here and it's autumn everywhere in the northern hemisphere. But in, in New York, the trees are beautiful in the fall. Um, so, of course, I'm drawn to that. And like we're, we're just at the time where most of the leaves have fallen off the trees and there's just a few left, a few mm-hmm. trees left with with leaves. So I was looking a lot at that as sort of a symbol. A lot of people say like, uh, they, uh, when the seasons change, it affects our emotions mm-hmm. and also, it also affects our health. But like, I'm, I'm actually, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I'm getting kind of sick. Uh, but I was, I found myself looking at a lot of the trees and then also, uh, the people on, on the sidewalk, it, it's a pretty diverse area. So I, I saw a lot of kids and parents with their kids, um, there was one kid that was just being really silly, being themselves. I forget what she said, but she was just dancing around and saying ridiculous stuff. Uh, and I, I saw that as as a symbol because it, it, it gave me like that sense of of wonder again. You know, whenever you see a kid having a blast, you remember what that was like before life got real <laughs> and uh, you had a lot of responsibilities. Um, I saw the planes in the sky that are always really cool for me to look at because it's just, I, whenever I see a plane flying over me, I just like stop and think about how awesome that is. Like that invention is, yeah. um, it doesn't happen every time, but since I was looking out for symbols, like I saw that today and then, uh, I found, I found the stick. I was looking out for a good stick and uh, I actually went up onto my rooftop of my building because I was walking in my neighborhood and I did a big circle. I passed by the barber shop again, so that was maybe what made me think of that whole experience. But I went, I went back to my place and I went up on the rooftop and I wrote down on the stick uh, a couple lies that I felt like I was telling myself. Hmm. And from the view, like from the, the rooftop uh, view from my building, is really nice. You can see Manhattan skyline, and it was just around sunset. And the sun was like bouncing off of the skyline. It was so cool that it was like golden. And uh, I was just like really kind of in the moment enjoying that view. And then I wrote down um, a couple of lies on the stick and I I broke it over my knee with a loud scream. (laughs) Mm. And then I ran down five flights of stairs and I just did a big loop around the block Nice. Dude, way to anchor that moment in. What did it feel like afterward? After I finished the run? Yeah. It was good. It was exhilarating. I I don't run very much. Uh, I prefer to use wheels. Mm. And I I get pretty winded when I run. And a lot of times when I'm running, if I'm late for something, that's like the only reason I would run. Like if I'm running to catch a train, um, and if I don't have to catch a train, I usually stop and walk, and then I run, and then I walk, and then I run, so I can 
catch my breath. But for this, I wanted to make sure that I ran for the whole circle Mm. um, just because I I felt like I wanted to prove it to myself that I could do it. Mm. So it felt really good to do that, even though it was just like maybe like a six block Mm -hmm. run. It was really short. I'm, I used to run track, but I would do sprints. And every time I would run more than like a quarter mile, I would get like a huge cramp. So I did about a a quarter mile there and it felt really good. Um, I felt relieved. I felt at peace. Uh, at least I wanted to feel that way. So I kind of willed myself into it. Dude. Uh, Okay. So (laughs) I exactly know what, I know what you're talking about. Will yourself into it. Um, I always think about this with like, I know this is stupid, but watching it with the kids when they were younger, Winnie the Pooh, like, just is Tigger happy because he yells like that, or does he yell like that and get happy? Uh, <laughs> you know, he should yell less to not hype himself into life. Eeyore could yell a little more. Um, spread out some of that. Uh, but but the idea there is, and this is what's huge, across civilizations, ritual, symbol, these things have emerged to help us understand we're passing from one face to the next. You know, nobody brought all these cultures together over thousands and thousands of years and said, Hey, we need to make sure that like these things pop up. They, they happened. It's how we make meaning. Um, and this idea that story ritual and simple comes together is really lost, especially in modern living. We're not going through rites of passage or moments that we understand there's a shift in our identity, that it's a different epoch, that we were this way, now we are this way. I, I leave the village a boy, I come back a man. You know, all of the different ways these, these things develop. Well, your story is changing. Where fear and shame have been the narrative, that era is ending. And so now you had a symbol for that, and you went through this ritual and by going through that and committing yourself to it, it it's it registers in your body. It's physiological, which helps it become neurological. Uh, your brain wires around the experience, which then helps change your psychology. Um, so really powerful for you to commit to it like that and and experience that. Um, yeah, man, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, Go ahead. It, was kind of, it was kind of funny. Uh, so the whole time I was running, I had the broken stick in my hands. <laughs> and then when I finished running, I got to my front door and I kind of just like bent over and like, you know, catching my breath. And then I put the stick in my pocket and I realized that all of the writing on the stick had bled onto my hands. <laughs> Whoa. Dude. <laughs> It's a metaphor. <laughs> I know. It was, it was like everything was just so like deep and symbolic and, uh, yeah, I mean, I try not to read too much into that kind of stuff because sure. I don't believe that every single little thing happens for a reason, yeah. but I do think that there's like funny coincidences sometimes that stick with you and they change how you think about situations. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, man, you've been so, you know, just vulnerable and, it makes me feel safe to share more. I, I'm pretty sure I've never shared this publicly. Uh, I'm I don't look into the details either. Um, my wife and I went like super into the details. My wife and I went canoeing, uh, and this bird, a certain type of bird, I don't know what it was, an egret, a herring, I don't know the names, but it kept on like guiding us down the river. I know that it's just like flying, you know, down the river, or whatever. But we canoe. 
and they'd be the bird again and take off flying with canoe down the river. And we joked, like, you know, it's a spirit animal or whatever. Okay, now this is the trippy part. The story that I told week one about the eviction notice. Um, I don't know how I'm telling this story. I've never told this that I know of. I came outside the morning, Monday morning, and I just was, like, freaked out. I'm like, are we going to get kicked out of our house? I got to get with the CEO, blah, blah, blah. Dude, okay, there's a cornfield where we live then across the street from our house. That bird went flying over, like, right in front of our house. There's no reason that bird should have been there. I know this is weird. I know it doesn't make sense. It could have randomly just happened. I don't get it all. All I know is that was like, wait, what? And super meaningful to me. You know, sometimes those things have the meaning that we attach to it. And sometimes it's like, whoa, that's pretty trippy. Um, Yeah, it's like that sketch that I found in my apartment. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, for me, I'm going to attach meaning to those things because, you know, whatever's going on there, it does bring me a sense of, whoa, that was cool. Let's keep going. Uh, But we'll learn to do that in a deep way as we get into week six, because it's always internally ready to open itself up to us. Uh, when we talk about with the third exercise, the windshield, the lies that come up, um, you know, one of the things I want to just make sure of is that, yeah, the, it's going to keep happening. And sometimes that lie keeps coming up because you're near somebody that elicits that, um, you know, we talked about, we joked about the holidays last time, uh, I think it was Ram Das. If you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family. Uh, sometimes we're around <laughs> people that stir those fears back up. Uh, sometimes we're around painful situations. You know, I know that I went through a, a, a situation where just really felt cheated by a guy. I, the car that he drove, I could just like see that model of car and boom, that lie and that pain, that fear is back in my face. And I'm not driving through the rearview mirror. I'm driving with the windshield, and as it pops up, I process it. And then I just stay on the lookout in my mission and in my community where moments of insecurity surfaces, surfacing themselves. All right, let's zero in on that. Pay attention. Let's flip it. I want to set up uh, week five for you now, but I want to make sure you're good on week four. Yeah, there was another big moment this week that I – felt that and I thought it would be cool to bring up yeah. uh, before we move on. Yeah. So I'm, I'm planning a big trip to India this December. I was invited to go to a wedding of a close friend of mine who's Indian. His wife is Indian and uh, they invited me to go to the wedding. And at first I was like, oh, I can't, I can't go all the way to India just for a wedding. That's so far and so expensive. Uh, and eventually I realized, you know, how many opportunities am I going to get like this? And it, it falls kind of perfectly in line with the holiday season. So no one's really going to be working. Uh, like clients won't be emailing me very much during that time. So I decided I'm going to go. And that I decided that about two months ago and I've really been putting off planning that I still haven't bought my flight yet. And the flights are getting more expensive every week. And, um, every weekend I sit down and I try to plan more of that trip because I'm going to be traveling by myself. And if I'm going to go all the way out, out there, I'm not just going to go for the wedding. I'm going to stay for a few extra days and really like see the country or at least a couple of different places in the country. Um, 
there's no point in going all the way out there just for like like three days. Mm-hmm. So this weekend I was trying to plan it again, and I found myself struggling to make decisions because I'm I'm going by myself. I don't have to compromise with any one other person about what they want to do, and I haven't really taken a big trip like this on my own before. So I, I started to feel like, oh well, what if uh, what if I and I can't enjoy it on my own, or what if I uh, get sick, or and I, I started to feel that fear of like if I can't take care of myself, no one else will. Um, and I I wrote down in my notebook just like the reason that I wanted to go and what I wanted to get out of it because I couldn't even decide like where I wanted. There's so many places to see. I couldn't decide where I wanted to visit. Uh, and so I, I wrote like what I was trying to get out of the trip and why I wanted to do that and really broke it down and it helped me see it on paper. Uh, and I hadn't done that for the last two months and now I feel like much more confident about going forward and, and booking it because if I was doubting it. Like, should I even go? You know, I want to go. My impulse is saying I should go, but is it really an effective use of my time? Is it worth going all the way out there? Cause it's about, you pretty much lose a day going there and then coming back each way. Uh, is it worth my time? And yeah, just trying to overcome that fear. Yeah, man. Awesome. I mean, like, so you're, you're already noticing, you're already organizing, uh, your brain around this. You're already noting it, just yeah, writing it out. Oh, so great. Um, tracking, man. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, we can keep going now if you want. Dude, yeah. I mean, I yeah. just I'm I'm enthralled. Um so here here's where we're at. And you're already jumping into solution, which is awesome. We want to get at the highest level. So we're going to get tools in your hands week 6 and 7. Before we do that, we want to get at the highest level or I could say deepest desire, and that's where we go with week 5. And so just to be real clear, you know what I'm asking you to do with week 5. I know it's kind of challenging to say the least uh, to think about our mortality but there's so much hype that's like design your ideal day well nobody has consistently perfect days um one of the things we do in a follow-up program is like design your week because that's much more critical but before we can even get to any of that we want to think about what do we really want and once you're learning to pay attention to when you're judging others and you can pay attention to when you're judging yourself you can let your desires surface. So week five is going to be about getting in touch with the deepest desires that are within Eric, who he is, what he wants. And for so many people, what drives them to think about like their life or the legacy they live is what will be celebrated that was done. Um, I'm, I, I don't want to give too many of the details away for the podcast yet, but I'm working on something this past weekend, like crazy, uh, but in the seat, uh, you know, two 12 hour days and you know, my kids are not going to be like, yay, dad accomplished this feat. (laughs) They don't care. They want to know, will I play super smash brothers with them or whatever? And when you think about the end, it's thinking about not about what you've done, but who you've been. And so the exercise there. It's. I wish it were a little bit more clear in the podcast, so I'm going to do it now. You're finding like three stories you're going to write. People are standing at a memory board. They're thinking about you. They're remembering you. Three stories you're going to write about who you've been. 
And what's powerful about this is your brain organizes around it in such a way. I did this like a decade ago, and I didn't realize how much it meant to me until until I started putting all this together uh, with SightShift to help others. But I realize now that the stories that I wrote, like I feel like they happened, um, and they haven't. But they're so true to my value system and how I think. And so it reduces a lot of decision fatigue. It helps guide you in key moments. And so we're going to think about three stories that you make up. They're looking at the picture they remember, and they go, that's who Eric was. Um, I don't think I share mine in the podcast. Uh, I might. If I do, if I don't, I'll share it next week. And uh, it's a really beautiful way of saying I get to choose who I become, and this is what's in me, and I'm headed there. Now, also, as you explore these desires, normal and natural, for lack of a better term, dark desires surface themselves, things that would seem like self-sabotaging behavior. Don't judge those either. We want to get underneath them, and that'll make sense as you work through it. Um, Any thoughts or questions about that? No. uh, I'm excited to jump into the week and listen to that week's podcast and do those exercises. Um, a lot of writing, a lot of, uh, reflecting still. I'm excited for week, week six and seven, but we're almost there. And this will be, like you said, the highest level. So that's it. We're setting it up and getting it ready. So awesome, man. Well, thanks for being here, being engaged and, uh, hit me up through the week. If you get questions, if I can help unblock anything and, uh, we'll keep moving forward. Thanks, man. Have a good night. Peace, buddy. You too. This has been The Sight Shift, lead podcast with Chris McAllister. Thank you for listening.